Welcome to The Divorce Podcast, a podcast that aims to address divorce, separation and co-parenting here in the UK, countering the often sensationalist way it's portrayed in the media, challenging the status quo and driving for reform. On each episode, I'm joined by experts to discuss divorce, separation and co-parenting from different angles and to give their opinions and to debate them. I'm Kate Daly, a relationship counsellor and divorce coach, co-founder of Amicable, the divorce services company, and host of this, The Divorce Podcast. In this episode, I was joined by Joe Middleton, who's the creator of the award-winning parenting blog, Slummy Single Mummy, and solo parent to two daughters now aged 27 and 20. Jo had her first child aged 17 in the middle of her A-levels and is now 44 and a granny to a three-year-old. We talk about Jo's mixed experience, her words, of relationships and co-parenting and her journey over the last 10 years as a solo mum. We explore the benefits of being a single parent, as well as the daily struggles and the idea of loneliness when you don't have a partner or co-parent to lean on. Jo shares her tips on things you can do to make the solo parent journey easier. And what I hope more than anything that this episode does is to highlight that not everyone is able to co-parent. And if that's where you find yourself, rather than beat yourself up about it, you have an episode where we celebrate your solo effort and talk about the things that have made it both hard and joyous for Joe and I. If you really love this episode or want to hear more episodes like this, then please make sure to rate us on your preferred listening platform. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, Joe. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's lovely to see you. Thank you for joining us. Now, I just wanted to sort of say at the outset of this podcast, we bang on a lot on this podcast about co-parenting and the benefits thereof and all the rest of it. But I think it's worth recognizing that for some of us, and I include myself in this, co-parenting just hasn't been an option. So I'm really pleased today that we have the chance to talk about the trials and tribulations and the joys of solo parenting. So I'm, I'm delighted that we're able to look at that in a bit more detail. But I wonder, Joe, because I think we all maybe describe it slightly differently. What do you mean by being a solo parent? Well, I, I guess there's a slight sort of, the, the, well, complications, wrong word, but my situation is possibly a little bit different from some people's in that my daughters have different fathers and my relationships with them have been quite different. So like you said, I was 17 when my eldest daughter, who's now 27, was born and her father was a year younger than me. So he was actually still at school when I was I was pregnant. So um, don't tell anyone. And we stayed together for about 18 months after she was born. So we were together for about three years in, in all. And he has actually, he's been in her life throughout, I would say, with the caveat being that I think because I was young and quite inexperienced generally in life, my expectations of him as a co-parent were fairly low. So like it, it didn't even occur to me after we separated that we would have like a shared sort of shared responsibility in the sense of 50-50 time or anything. You know, it was very much she would go and stay for a night a week or, you know, she might go for the day on Sunday. And um, he was obviously very young and not earning very much either. So the kind of financial contribution that he was able to make was small. So I would say that although 
although I haven't kind of, you know, I've got no complaints in the sense that he's never done anything horribly wrong. I've never really felt like I was in a a kind of shared parenting relationship there. Yeah, but I, can't, I pretty much felt sort of on my own, really, in terms of having somebody to kind of talk through decisions with or, you know, share concerns with. I think that's it, isn't it? It's the it's having to make all of the decisions, isn't it? And knowing that ultimately the buck stops with you. I guess one of the benefits of that is you can make some decisions much quicker because you're not having to involve the other parent or, you know, there isn't somebody else's sort of opinion or concerns to take into account. But it's pretty lonely, is it? Yeah. And I guess, you know, it's it's interesting you say about sort of taking somebody else's opinion into account, because I do wonder as well on reflection whether I didn't kind of facilitate a better relationship, whether if that had happened and I was older, whether I would, my expect, expectations might have been higher, but also I very much kind of took charge, I think, of the parenting um, from day one. And perhaps I could have been more trusting or more, you know, more open to sharing that responsibility, which I think is is difficult, isn't it? Because you is a you you're making yourself really vulnerable if you're kind of sharing, opening yourself up to sort of sharing that responsibility. But you know, I don't, I've always been a very kind of capable person, and I think it's easy as that kind of person to sort of take over, isn't it? And just think, all right, well, I'm going to make all the decisions and not maybe give somebody the opportunity to prove themselves or to sort of take on that responsibility. And I wonder if it's not also about the sort of society we live in, the people surrounding us and the expectations, because you're talking about a situation, what, did you say your daughter's 20? Yeah, so she's... Oh, so this is 27, this one, isn't it? Mid-90s, so, yeah. Yeah, so 27 years ago, the parenting landscape probably looked very different, even along gendered roles. There's a lot more expectation, there's a lot more shared parenting there's a lot more kind of doing things together we know a lot more about how we get better outcomes that kind of stuff but in like you say in the 1990s is what you experienced a reflection of how life was in those days yeah and I think also a reflection of my sort of existing family setup because my mum and dad separated when I was 12 and my mum was always very much you know I can do this by myself you know, I don't need, even though my dad was, was always in our lives, I didn't feel like, like the model that they gave me wasn't a sort of shared parenting model. It was that, you know, we'll go and see him for a day at the weekend. And my mum's mum as well, my gran was a very sort of strong female figure. So I think we're quite sort of like a matriarchal dynamic in our family that were probably just, I assumed that I would be the one who would be in charge, I guess, and take on the responsibility. Yeah. So that, that's the experience I had with my oldest daughter. And then my youngest daughter, who's now 20, I was in a relationship with her father for nine years, basically the whole of my 20s. And we separated when Belle was six. And that was quite a different experience because although I initially, for the sort of first few years after we separated, tried really hard to sort of facilitate a relationship between them. He had quite a lot of personal struggles that ended, you know, up with it becoming just sort of more hurtful and more difficult for her to have a relationship with him than to not. And so eventually when she was about nine or 10 years old, she sort of decided that she didn't want to have 
that relationship that she found it too difficult. And that's kind of been it really for the last 10 years. So no sort of financial support, no contact at all. So yeah, so that's kind of my definition of solo parenting there. Um, and I have, I've, you know, I will have always kind of kept it open as an option for her and, you know, said that obviously I would do anything I could to make make it feel comfortable for her or to support her if that was what she wanted to do. But it's not been something that's happened. And so when you when you get to that stage with the children where ultimately, and you've had to obviously do it a couple of times, you, you're talking about the way that things are going to be. What do you say at the very beginning of those conversations then? Because I presume you don't really have a plan, do you? And we all get very obsessed with making sure we tell kids what's going on and only talking to them when things are changing. But in that circumstance, what sort of things did you say to each of yours? Because it's very two very different circumstances, which actually makes it very interesting. Well, I guess, so B, my oldest daughter, was only about two when we separated. So I don't there wasn't really a sort of conversation to be had as such, I don't think, for her, other than, you know, possibly a one-sided one. Of, <laughs> I'm sure at the time I did kind of explain in simple terms what might be happening and sort of, you know, talk about it as part of like everyday life and everyday, everyday conversation. I think I remember with, with Belle, it being, it was something that I think had been on the cards for a long time in my mind. And when it, did actually happen and we did separate I think I probably told both of them because obviously you know Belle's dad had been in Bee's life as well for a long time so it was a big you know it was a thing for her as well I told them quite quickly and quite in a quite straightforward way and I think part of the reason if I'm honest was that I wanted to make it real so that I couldn't back out of it if that makes sense because it had you know, instances in the past where I had, I'd wanted to separate or I'd kind of expressed that I wasn't happy in the relationship and, and yet somehow I was still in it. And I think the act of telling the children was something that I wanted to do in order to show him that I was serious about it and to show, to sort of show myself, I guess, that I was serious about it too. So when you started that journey then of being a solo parent, obviously you, you didn't necessarily label it that way because I guess you didn't know that that's how things were going to work out at the time. Did you have some interim arrangements? Like did you, how did you start off the whole, well, this is how we're going to look after our daughter, particularly when you, know, when you were young and 17? What did you start off by, by doing? I don't think in either case there was anything very formal I certainly wouldn't have even thought about you know an, any kind of outsider being involved in a sort of mediation process or anything like that you know it was very much like a week by week I think even not even necessarily a sort of fixed routine but a you know well uh, you know can she come and see you this week okay well how about this day I think in relationships generally I'm not especially good at asking for what I want or need I'm very trying to be accommodating I guess which is probably why I've not had the most successful relationships because I think you know it's good to be able to say what you want isn't it and kind of have a few more boundaries in place but so I was kind of and went along I guess with whatever I was offered and I guess sort of you know from a, a children's point of view that's not 
the most ideal situation because you don't then have that sort of the predictability of the of you know you knowing that you're always going to be somewhere on a Wednesday or you're always going to be somewhere at weekends um but also I guess what I'm guessing at is that the the conversations so often are focused around what's been called contact or when you're going to see the other parent and I guess as we go through these journeys what I've taken away and what I've realized is parenting relationship is so much more than when you see the child or your child it's it's all of the other big decisions it's all of the other walking alongside stuff that very often don't get discussed because the the focus has always been on what's the contact pattern when you're going to see you know if you're the non-resident parent it's always been about well when are you going to see them and not how are you going to be involved in their lives on a minute by minute, hour by hour basis that doesn't revolve around you being physically present or there. And I think that's the bit that sometimes is the harder stuff. I think that, yeah. And, you know, that's so interesting, isn't it? Because you asked me that question and my answer was about contact and when they yeah. saw them, you know. You'd... And I, didn't, I wasn't trying to set you up because I, I hadn't thought about that until we started to talk about it just suddenly as you were talking. I was like thinking, gosh, yes, this is it's always comes down to when are we going to see, you know, when are we going to see this child rather than actually a relationship is more than yeah. no, being that's in a so room true. with somebody. And, and that I think is what has always been missing has been that, yeah, there was very much that focused on, okay, well, I will meet you in this lay-by and hand her over at 6 p.m. for the weekend with no no real like discussion in between about anything else, like sort of parenting style or you know none of the big topics like that all the kind of little stuff like yeah any of the kind of like the big landmarks or the discussions you might have at certain ages no absolutely none of that I wonder if if perhaps that is easier nowadays with more ways to communicate because you know like 20 years ago if you weren't in the same room as your child you know you could phone them on the telephone but like you wouldn't be able to FaceTime or video chat or even kind of have a exchange of messages and WhatsApp or share photos or something so but perhaps that made it more difficult but I yeah I think I think you're right I think we we you know that we say technology's got a lot to answer for in terms of impoverishing communication and replacing face-to-face but where face-to-face isn't possible for whatever the reason then there is so much more of a relationship you can have nowadays isn't there and it's it's the being right there in the moment stuff that technology allows you to do like my son often watches the football with his dad as in they're on some device or other both staring at a separate television 300 miles apart but they're connected because they're watching it on their phone as well. Do you know what I mean? So they're on the telephone watching the football and because nobody pays for calls and minutes anymore. and that kind of, So it's not a big deal to be able to do that kind of stuff. And then they're sharing in the moment. And I just think that actually that then changes the dynamic of this notion of solo parenting as well for me as well. Like I feel in the more latter years, I feel less like a solo parent, even though I might still have all of the time the kids live with me full time and you know very rarely because of location and various other factors do they actually have spent much time with their dad so I guess it's that isn't it it's just that it does yeah and I wonder too if it works the other way around as well because I I know when 
be my older daughter was sort of seven eight nine I think it was after Belle was born and so Belle was at home and I think going to her dad's for the weekend felt like she she wasn't keen on it she didn't really enjoy it it felt like quite a wrench for her I think to be taken out of the kind of family setting and whether maybe if she'd been able to be in touch with me while she was away more easily that that would have made it easier for her you know because she (laughs) her like ideal Saturday night would be to be sat at home with me watching Blind Date um, which shows how long ago it was you know and perhaps if she could have been at her dad's and like with your son and the football watching Blind Date with me or even just able to message me and kind of say something about the contestants whether it would just kind of soften it and make it feel like less of a kind of you know you're in one place and you're in the other place and yeah less digital less black and white yes exactly less all or nothing yeah yeah Yeah. I think that would definitely have made it easier for her and it is when you have got all of that responsibility it is it can be you know overwhelming at times I know but from your perspective what has been your biggest struggle would you say I think it's that what you're saying about the the responsibility and the decision making is the day-to-day stuff is the kind of things you can just get on with, you know, like obviously nobody wants to be the one cooking dinner every single night for 20 years, but um, you know, you get, that's life, isn't it? You get on with that. But I think it's, it's the, having the second opinion, having somebody who will be a sounding board, having somebody who will share in those big decisions with you. And I think that's why often single or solo parents can get a little bit defensive when perhaps kind of like married people say, oh, well, my partner works away a lot. And so I know what it's like being a single parent. (laughs) And you're like, okay, (laughs) like, you know what it's like maybe for a week to have to do all the washing yourself. But do you really know what it's like to be choosing a secondary school and have no idea if it's the right choice for your child and have nobody to share that decision with? Do you know what it's like to be going through like (laughs) diagnosis of a health condition and to not know if you're doing the right thing or, you know, so (laughs) I think that's quite a a lot of single parents, I think, get the slightly defensive about that, don't they? (laughs) I definitely share that. For me, it's when when mine say, oh, I, I can't come out this week because my husband's working away. And I think, well, I have to get a babysitter every time I step out the door. Why are you any different? I, you know, it's like, I can't pay for a babysitter. I'm not going to pay for a babysitter. My husband's away. It's like, oh no, come on. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I think that grates on me sometimes is when you say you're a single parent is that a lot of people assume that that means either that you just get loads of child maintenance or that you have every weekend free. And then you're like, um, no, I don't, unless I organize childcare, I have no time free at all. Yeah. And that's definitely hard when they're little and you literally can't step out of the house. I remember trying to, considering whether actually getting a babysitter so I could go for a 45 minute run was actually a worthwhile investment. Well, you know, would I go insane if I didn't do it? Or was it insane to do it? And I just couldn't quite ever come down on the right side of that. And There's a relentlessness, isn't there, I think? And it can feel quite that isolating and make you feel quite trapped, I think, unless you have some support. And I've always been really lucky to have a really supportive family. So my mum in particular, I can't imagine if I've been sort of living the opposite end of the country or, you know, not had that support sort of emotional 
and practical. And the, the practical stuff was what was massively important when I was younger for being able to study and then work. And, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that without them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's right. Having some kind of support network is really important, which is why, you know, finding other people in your situation is so key because they understand the stresses and the help that people in the same situation can offer is usually, you know, good quality help, isn't it? If you've got friends or family who just get your situation. So I was really lucky when Belle was the sort of primary school age that I had a friend who had a son who was the same age as her. And I don't have many other single or solo parent friends, but she was like my one single parent friend. And that made such a difference because we were able to do things like go on holidays together. I mean, taking children, especially young children on holiday as a single parent, like it's not really fun. (laughs) Like it might be fun if you're really wealthy and you can go somewhere and put them in clubs and just lounge by the pool. But if you're doing like a self-catering in South Wales and it's raining and you're like, well, this is just like being at home, except I've got less of myself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, being able to go away with her and sort of share that responsibility a little bit and also have another grown up to talk to was hugely valuable. And also for Belle, you know, because seven years between my children and so when when the eldest was sort of in her teens she wasn't massively keen on hanging out with us seven eight year old so you know it was was lovely for for her too that it wasn't just you know me and her in the wet camping field (laughs) I think the other thing from a child's perspective as well is when you are faced with obviously having to do things as a single parent you know whichever parent you are the resident or the non-resident parent your kids become quite way more capable you know my kids from a very young age had to pull their own suitcases because I didn't have three hands (laughs) you know what I mean so they had to be able to pack for them you know pack a bag that they could carry and they had to be able to wheel their suitcases they had to be able to get on and off a train and those sorts of things because you physically you know don't have enough hands to be able to do that kind of thing and they get used to you know being that little bit more independent and being that little bit more capable. And so I think that's definitely one of the things I've taken from this. I had a very different childhood to my kids in the sense that I had two parents that stayed together and um, stay at home mom, you know, nice holidays, all of that sort of thing. And it just, I was useless by the time I got to university. I practically had a nervous breakdown because I could do absolutely nothing for myself. Well, when B went to university, she was the only person in her flat of eight people who knew how to use a washing machine. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a team effort, isn't it? When you're doing solo parenting, one of the things I like about it is that, you know, your family is a team and everyone's got a pitch in. And, you know, those things seem quite normal even 20 years ago, but now that doesn't seem to be the case so much anymore. Kids don't seem very practically minded. Lots of kids don't pitch in, but, you know, being a solo parent, they have to. And I like I like the impact that that has on them. I, I think that's a positive thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree. I agree. I think um, they can perhaps be a little bit wiser as well. You know, it, I, I know what experiences like having your parents separate can be traumatic, but they are also learning experiences, aren't they? You know, they're real, it's real life and that kind of thing happens in real life. And, you know, there's a lot you can learn from the, even the most difficult circumstances, I think, I hope. 
What do you think are the benefits and the advantages of solo parenting? Do you think there are any? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love the freedom. I think I would really struggle with this kind of the having to consider somebody else's point of view. <laughs> that doesn't make me sound too selfish. Or, you know, or to accommodate, like if somebody had a completely different style of parenting to me, I think I would find that difficult. So I really like the freedom. What I actually like as well is I like that when something goes really well or when my kids do something that I'm really proud of, I think, yeah, you know, that's all me. <laughs> I can take, obviously they get to take some credit for it, but from a sort of parenting perspective, I can take you know, all the credit for that. Don't have to share that. <laughs> I think, well, you know, I've had various things with my kids on there with their own sort of personal mental health along the journey. And I think one of the things that um, whenever I've had to interact with, with people that have been helping us is they've always said that consistent parenting is really key. And so whatever the sort of difficulty that other kids have had, they've had consistent parenting. It might be consistently bad, but they've had consistent parenting because it's only been me. And with some of my friends where they are co-parenting and, and they've had, you know, issues, it's been really hard when you've got parents on different pages and because you haven't got the glue of the marriage anymore, you've got two parents yeah. who want to do it in a really different way. And I guess I'm thinking about that in terms of, you know, we mentioned in the intro that you one of your children have been diagnosed with ASD and I just wonder has that been easier harder to cope with being a solo parent I I guess there's there's advantages and disadvantages aren't there and it's hard to know isn't it because you don't know I think sometimes when you're on your own you kind of can paint this sort of rosy picture of what it would be like if there were two parents you know and it would just mean you had all this extra support and somebody to help you but actually it might not be like that it the reality of it might be that you had a very different approaches to to it and that, that it caused a lot of conflict or that, you know, so I, I think it's hard to say whether it's easier or harder because you don't know what it would have been like under different circumstances. But I do think it's important to kind of be realistic about what the relationship might have looked like and not to just imagine that everybody in a couple is living this incredibly wonderful, supportive kind of relationship. The sort of diagnosis process I found quite difficult on my own in terms of I just not knowing what I was doing and not knowing who I was meant to be going to for help or what I was meant to be doing for the best. But then I've, you know, I've got that family still. So it's not like I feel completely alone. And, you know, we're, we're very close as a family, you know, me and my children. And like you say, when you go to things like appointments and, you know, somebody and I'm there with her, you know, everybody always says oh, to her, you know, well, you're obviously very close to your mum and it's lovely that you've got your mum to talk to. And, you know, that's so, uh, you know, that closeness, I don't know whether that would be quite the same if it wasn't just the two of us. It's hard, isn't it? And I wonder, you know, even I think about the, when I'm asking you the questions, why I'm so determined to find out that, whether it's better or worse. But it's it's interesting, isn't it? Well, you, you sort of always trying to compare, would it be better with two parents or one parent rather than just let's accept that we are where we are. The reasons why we're here almost don't matter, but we are where we are as solo parents. And therefore, it's just really for us about, you know, what works, what doesn't work, isn't it? Rather than what's better or or what isn't better. It's that whole thing, isn't it, of like 
being sort of like a season or a chapter, you know, this is where we are. It doesn't matter what's brought you to this position or whether you might be better off in different circumstances. This is your life now. And how are you going to live that to make it the best version for everybody in the family? I think that's all it comes down to, really, isn't it? But I I know what you mean. I went to um, a festival a couple of years ago and I remember looking around at the kind of the families, you know, with the little kids in the pull-along trucks and sort of the dads are in charge of the coats and pulling these, these kids along and thinking getting quite sort of sentimental about it, thinking, well, I'm never, I'm not ever going to have that. But then at the same time, you'd kind of overhear like little snippets of conversation and the mum was clearly annoyed or the dad was fed up with having to pull this truck along and the kids are crying. And you, it's, you know, it's just a reminder, isn't it, that everybody has stuff in their life that is difficult or, you know, there's not like a perfect scenario. It's just about making the best of whatever situation you're in. And I think from like the co-parenting or the post-divorce narrative, it's it's really about trying to help people find what works for them, isn't it? You know, whatever, as you say, however you've got here is how you've got here. But if you are in this position where you are a solo parent, then what actually makes it work? What do you find helps, Joe? I think there's having some support and it doesn't necessarily have to be a partner or another parent, but whether that's your family or whether that's you know friends who you bring into your life as a kind of as family just having uh, anybody who kind of understands you and understands your situation that you can perhaps offload to a little bit and I think not being I mean this sounds like a really real cliche but not being afraid to ask for help or support but I try and think of it the other way around like if somebody asks me for help I always feel flattered and I always want to help them and I always feel pleased that they felt able to ask or able to trust me and I'm always really keen to help and I think well actually if by asking other people for help you're just giving them that feeling then that's a win-win for both of you isn't it you know you can't be you can't be a martyr to it you can't think just because you're the only parent that that's it you've got to sacrifice everything that you enjoy doing or want to do so yeah don't be afraid to get that babysitter for the 45 minute run I say yeah well it's hard there isn't it it is hard to ask for help and I don't know what stops us and sometimes I think for me it's about not wanting to impose on what I see as an other sort of family and I try and work through in my mind what the impact of me asking might be on the husband and the husband's friend's brother and I just think no just stop just (laughs) just ask you have to have confidence that people will say no if exactly. they can't do it you have to and trust just leave it there that. and not be offended. Yeah. yeah, you have to trust that other people need to have their own boundaries. And if they don't want to do yes. it, they can say no. And and that's their responsibility, isn't it? You can just ask. Yeah. Do you think there are things that make it harder? Are there things that we could change as a society that would make you know this job easier for parents? I think the practical stuff and the financial stuff is definitely makes it more difficult and that then feeds into the to the isolation and the loneliness I think because if you don't have I mean you just don't have as much money because there's only one of you you know and going to things like on holiday or going for days out everything's set up you know the family tickets for things are always two adults and children so just the fact of perhaps not being able to do as much or get out and about as much or you know, that can be really limiting, I think, for sure. And obviously, childcare 
massively expensive if there was some kind of better infrastructure for that I think that would be hugely helpful you wrote a really that point you made there about loneliness you made you wrote a very um, lovely blog about loneliness just how did you cope with the isolation then it is difficult I think having obviously having friends and family to talk to is important but actually starting the blog was really useful from that point of view because when I first set it up which was 2009 which is a long time ago now in internet years it did feel like much more of a sort of personal space and much more like the kind of traditional what you know what a blog originally was about I guess that kind of online journaling and sharing thoughts and feelings and getting feedback from other people in in the same situation so I remember I think it was in the very first blog post I ever wrote describing it as as a second parent in the relationship you know somebody like the blog could take that role and be somewhere where I could ask questions that I didn't know about you know I used to ask write about things like how much pocket money am I meant to give to children you know how old are they do they need to be to go to a sleepover like I don't know any of these things you know I when my old older daughter wanted to get her ears pierced when she was about five I think I said um you've got to wait until you're nine and I just picked a random number out that's felt like a long time away and then of course it got to her ninth birthday she was like all right I get my ears pierced now and then when my younger daughter got to nine you know the the elder one said oh you get to have your ears pierced now that's the rule in our family you have to be nine I'm thinking why are you making these things up (laughs) I don't know you're alone on that one (laughs) no but yeah, I guess so. The internet generally is is a useful tool, I think, for a lot of people, isn't it, to sort of reach out to people who are in the same situation. Yeah. And what about have you dated during this time as well? So have you introduced new people, or have you decided to stay away from that? Yeah. So I have. It's fourteen years now since I separated from Bell's dad, and in that time, I've had two serious relationships that lasted about three or four years each where um, my partner has moved in with us as a family. So that's quite like, obviously that's a big thing to happen once, but that's happened twice. I've had other sort of less serious relationships in between, but I've not really for the last couple of years. Um, And honestly, do you know, I really like it. It's so nice just not having to think about it. Or um, I could, I don't know, I get kind of funny when I'm in a relationship. I, I think I lose my sense of self a little bit and I get a bit too focused on the other person and go a bit like weird and anxious. So it's been really nice to just have a, a couple of years of just not having to think about it at all. I've, I'm finding it increasingly difficult to imagine myself in a new relationship. I don't know. I've started doing a little bit of dating, but I haven't really like done anything where I've got to bring somebody home and introduce. And I'm just kind of wondering how that's going to be and what that's going to look like um, when the kids have gone so long without, you know, another person being around. And I think my kids as well, they just take the mick out of me, honestly, because I have such a weird, like patchy relationship history. But also everybody I date seems to be called John. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why. So the last guy that I was in data for about nine months my family called him john the fourth to his face <laughs> um so obviously that didn't go very well <laughs> so yeah they just have a laugh at my expense i think Imagine. 
Oh, well, I've got a fridge magnet from my brother-in-law that says, if you are a man uh, staying with Kate, please, please think twice. <laughs> it's my fridge magnet. So I think he thinks if some random man is going to open my fridge and get out the milk to make a cup of tea in the morning, that might frighten him off. a little, little message for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's, that's the kind of vibe that my kids go for, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite funny. Oh, look, I'm, I'm conscious we're coming up to the end of time. If you had to leave people with some sort of choice tips in terms of how to survive and thrive being a solo parent, what would you say? I think the, the key thing is what we were talking about with that idea of sort of seasons or chapters in your life. And to if you can kind of get to that point of accepting that, all right, this isn't necessarily where you wanted to be or you imagined that you would be this is where you are and that actually there are lots of things about your life now I'm sure that are positive and enjoyable and to yeah just to kind of live in that moment I guess and to you know nothing stays the same does it everything changes there'll be a point in 10 or 20 years time where you'll be thinking god I wish I'd wish I'd kind of held on to those moments yeah that doesn't sound too naff (laughs) yeah it sounds it sounds comforting I mean we you tread a path and it has its ups and its downs. And and like you say, I think it's about being present. It's about staying in the moment. It's about dealing with what's in front of you, not spending your life wishing that you weren't in this situation or, or just seeking out things that demonstrate to you, you're not, you know, in this relationship or that relationship, or you don't have this co-parenting relationship or that co-parenting relationship. And I think, you know, we do, do set ourselves up sometimes don't we instead of just being able to try and look at what the positives are and the situation we've got to just try and emulate a better situation or a different one and I'm not sure how helpful that is so I hope if people are listening and they are solo parenting they've come away with a sense of well yes there are are lots of positives about it and there are lots of things that work well about solo parenting and it is what it is and we have every ability and right to make the best of it as we can you get the whole bed to yourself i mean that's got to be worth a lot hasn't it (laughs) absolutely (laughs) i love it and where can people find out more about you joe probably instagram is the best place to come and find me that's where i hang out most often so i'm slummy single mummy on instagram and i do do things like share my favorite tinder profiles in stories which is always worth a laugh so yeah come and find me there and say hello that's brilliant thank you and of course you can find me i'm on twitter at kate underscore daily you can hear more about new podcast episodes by following at divorce underscore podcast And if you like this podcast and you like to listen to more, then please go to thedivorcepodcast.com and download further episodes. Jo, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing your solo parent journey with us. And thank you as well for listening. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Kate.